go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. James Adams alongside Skeeter Robinson doing the PGA DFS weekly podcast here for My Fantasy Fix. And we get ready for the last tournament starting in February. That's the PGA National uh, Champion Course in Palm Beach, Florida, the Honda Open. And uh, Skeeter, I guess before we get into this one, as we always do, let's talk about this last week in Mexico. And I'm almost ready to try and say Chapultepec. Chapultepec. You hear it enough, you you got to get it close, right? <laughs> so, um, what do we take from this tournament? Obviously, uh, Sunday was very anticlimactic, yet somehow for me, still pretty entertaining to watch when golf is played at just that high level. So I was driving back. I had a two-hour drive back, so I think I caught most of the back nine while driving, and you know, it was like Dustin's up five or six. Like, okay, well, this is a four-round conclusion. You know, like, well, Rory's gonna have to make a run to make this thing interesting, and. You know what? Rory did make a run. The problem was yeah. Dustin Johnson was making the same run. Like, like it was crazy uh, what DJ ended up with. Minus 21, which is a new mm-hmm. tournament record. He beats Rory by, by five. And then third place was, like, Casey and I think Poulter. They were minus 11. So DJ beats them by 10. Rory, by fo- Rory beats them by five. Like, Rory did everything possible to win. It was just one of those weeks where, uh, I mean, okay, so he had some struggles on Friday afternoon and Saturday, but still he shot minus 16, which would have won two years ago, would have been a playoff last year. He didn't do anything. I mean, he played really well. He just got beat because Dustin Johnson got into DJ's zone, and when he does that, um, nobody's beating him. Yeah, it was, uh, you could see the look on his face towards the end of the, the round. Rory McIlroy is just like, you know, some days, what can you do? You know what can you do? I can't. He couldn't go out there and shoot 55. No, I mean, he, I mean, he might have left a couple of strokes out there, but I'm not sure what it mattered. DJ was no. just just playing so well. So, so that, I thought a fun tournament, and interesting to watch. Loved where they had the hole yesterday on hole 16. Uh, nobody, I saw holding it out, but getting very close mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of fun. So hopefully this week is as enjoyable to watch as we get back to the United States, and uh, again, the hot classic so I, is where we're at. How are your lineups? Because I'll tell you what, Friday afternoon, when Rory was leading before he kind of went on a double bogey binge, I was doing quite well. Like, I had Sergio up there. I had Kucher. Rory was winning. Um, like, I was just like, well, if I could just get Thorbjorn Olison and Webb Simpson to go on my main team, I'll have a chance. Well, they kind of actually did okay on the weekend, but Matt Kucher goes from, like, third to T50. Like, he just had a horrible weekend. Yeah. Um, for me, it was too much Bryson DeChambeau. I didn't – I used him in maybe, like, 40% of my lineups. So, those were obviously all wastes. Uh, and then I had Justin Thomas as the other guy in that tier I liked. Um, and then I had some Leishman. So, not good on those angles. I had a couple lineups cash. I had one that I uh, that I was, like, starting to get excited as it started to get into, like – triple uh you know tripling up on that three dollars up into nine but um never quite good enough to make that push into the like oh my goodness money you know the that kind of return on investment so for me uh the shampoo really killed me and and leishman didn't do me any favors either yeah see i had a lot of uh dj and rory not together but enough lineups that kind of helped and some fleetwood and some hatton but then as kuchar kind of sunk me a little bit um Leishman had my fair share of him. Bryce and those lineups were done, but um, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, sometimes I think we need this reminder that you know, 
This has been a year where we've seen a lot of good players win, but boy, when you have a strong field, you see Dustin and Rory just kind of separate themselves. And you see Justin Thomas reshoot uh, his course record of 62 on Sunday, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this, I mean, this this is shaping up to be some fun majors with these uh, new schedule changes. These guys are playing more, they're having to get ready a little sooner, and you know we're about a month. We're less than a month away from uh, the players, so yes, sir. The unofficial fifth major, so th- that's going to be a fun tournament. I will not play DJ there. I don't think historically he's played uh, Sawgrass very well. But you want to talk about a course that really doesn't favor one style? That's uh, TBC Sawgrass. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And obviously the change in the uh, the schedule, so it'll uh, it'll definitely be exciting. I think this week, this tournament. I look at the field, a good field, not a great field, especially not a very top-heavy field. Um, so when you get into this field, there's a handful of guys in that 10K-plus range, and the one that I guess you really have to say separates himself from the field is Justin Thomas. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the class of the field. Um, before we get into Thomas, let me throw out a couple things just about the course itself. It, yeah, go for it. It's a par 70, so 7,100 yards, only two par fives, uh, the third hole and the 18th hole. So um, it, this is a historically tough course. Like, I know we said this with um, the farmers at Torrey Pines where, you know, all of a sudden 20 under somehow won that tournament, which had never happened before. Riviera had some teeth to it. Pebbles had some teeth, but not, but not like this. Um, last year, the cut was six over. Now, granted, the first two rounds, even Saturday, they were heavy winds, and when there's wind on this course, when it gets to, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 miles per hour or higher, I mean, par is a great score. It almost turns into a U.S. Open setup. I I forget what the exact score that won here last year was. I think it might have been like minus 8. I'm going to pull that up right now, but... Second toughest course last year, and a couple, and I think it was three years ago, also played as a top ten toughest course on tour. So, it's, it's, if the winds are up, you're really going to want to look at players who play well in the wind and who are probably pretty good at bogey avoidance. Yeah, minus eight was a playoff number last year. but And even when you look at the top of the field of last year, you have Thomas, List, Norin, Fleetwood, Webb, uh, Benny on. So, I mean... Elite players will play well here, so it's, you know, lineup construction is going to be tough uh, trying to figure out who, who to kind of fit in with everybody this week. When I was looking through the, the course rankings, um, PGA Tour Media, you can find this out. They, you know, they go through the course rankings each year, see which courses play the toughest. And when I looked over the past three years, the course that I kept seeing come up with similar um, scores all three years was TPC Southwind, which is uh, in Memphis, the host of the formerly FedEx St. Jude Classic, now which will be a World Golf Championship uh, FedEx St. Jude. So, and then when I started looking at players who did well, who play Memphis well, and who play here well, there are some golfers like a Daniel Berger who have a correlation where, you know, there are some similar types of players who play Memphis well as they do the Honda. So that is something to keep in mind. So when we go look at Justin Thomas, he hasn't played Memphis, so we can't use that uh, comparison there. But he's second in my stat model this week. I'm looking. I'm big on tee to green approach, greens and regulation, bogey avoidance. He's top four in all of those. He's also fourth in par four scoring since there's 12 par fours. It's his scrambling that's a little bit of a concern. But 
11.9 is going to be a heavy price to pay, especially when there are some players in the 7K range, just not as many as we saw last week. So he's going to be a fine play. It's It might be tough to fit him in, especially when there's a couple other players in this low 10K, even, not, even high 9K range that could pop. By the way, um, I guess full disclosure for James and I, we are literally recording this 15 minutes after DraftKings came out with their pricing. Um, we were literally about to record, and all of a sudden James said, oh, DraftKings finally has their <laughs> pricing out. So this is literally like a first look at the pricing. Like We've looked at the players, but now we have to try to adjust the prices. So if you hear us kind of questioning the prices or trying to get used to it, that's why. Um, you know, I don't yeah, know. I what, have no idea who my favorite plays are in any tier. Just yet. yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, that'll probably if you're listening to this very early on Monday night, uh, they'll probably be posted by Tuesday morning once we've actually had a chance to digest some of these prices and maybe even talk through this. So, but yeah, that so eleven nine for JT is. I mean, that's a tough price. He's Steve. he deserves it, but man, that's I don't know. That's going to be a tough one to pay. Yeah, I I feel you. I mean, I'm I'm leaning towards thinking my favorite play in this will be lower in the tier, but then you get into ownership and all that. So uh, Thomas, definitely a, a top play. He's stud was amazing on Sunday uh, in Mexico, but of course he was playing freely too. So the next guy on the list is Ricky Fowler and Fowler. We know uh, won a couple of weeks ago. He won here two years ago and has had pretty good history uh, not counting his last year, but he's the third highest ranked golfer in the world as well. So you look at where he's at and you feel like that price is good. Are you on Fowler at 11-2? He's in my consideration for one and done. Um, very good wind player. So if there is wind that comes, he is somebody who certainly should thrive. He's had some U.S. Open success in the past as well. Um, let me see let's see if I can quickly pull up this correlation to TBC Southwind. Uh, has been a pretty good score at Southwind, so if you're looking for comparison course there, he's okay there. Uh, past 24 rounds, he's number one par four strokes gained, third in putting. Uh, his approaches haven't been great, and I think he lost, um, yeah, he lost two and a half strokes in approach last week at Mexico. It was mainly his, his short game that kind of saved him. And even at Phoenix, I mean, he gained nine and a half strokes putting, which... We know how variant that stack can be. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind him. Like I can see myself not playing him on DraftKings and using him as a one-and-done. I mean, I do have some good history. I used him two years ago when he won here. It was my first one ever in a one-and-done. So, you know, the good vibe's still there. But at 11-2, I, I think there might be golfers I like a little cheaper than Fowler. And Ricky always tends to get a little bit of a boost because people love Ricky and they're going to see that course history and this win two years ago and the fact he won a few weeks ago at Phoenix. I just, I don't think I can go there 11-2. I get it. I just think I'll be looking elsewhere. Okay, first of all, I can't wait to see what it's like to actually have a guy win when you use him in your one and done. <laughs> That's, of course, this is my first year doing it, so I'm not, like, super upset about it yet, but I, I hope to uh, experience that this year. And you mentioned uh, Ricky and how well he did putting a couple of weeks ago when he won at the Waste Management. Mm -hmm. And it's something I, I should have brought up before we started going through players, but I looked at Jason Duffner's course history. He's had three top 17s in the last four years. I know him to be, from what I know, he's not a very good putter. Does that mean you cannot be as good of a putter and win on this tournament? Or is that something that I'm just completely making up in my head? No, I mean, 
again, putting is uh, very, uh, very uh, has a lot of high variance to it. Um, let's see, I'd have to. I'll here. Let me try to pull up his. Um, let me pull up his numbers from the past to see what he did putting here. But you know, one thing that comes with putting too is some people like to look at the different surfaces, uh, bent grass, mm -hmm. or they're firing off POA. So I don't know if Dufter's is just not a good POA putter. Um, Actually, he's not a very good putter. Period. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't believe him to be a very good putter. Because I remember even when one, uh, I think it was the PGA several years ago. Like, you know, he would. He was trembling over two footers. That uh, I get it. You're in a, the final round of a major, but you know, the, they were talking about his, his, you know, his inability to finish with putting. Right, and it is uh, his best is Bermuda, and I don't know right off hand if this is Bermuda. I'll try to look that up. Um, so let's see. Last year he was. Plus seven one, uh, seven point one strokes tee to green. He lost a stroke putting. In twenty seventeen, he gained three strokes putting here. In twenty sixteen, he lost three and a half back. putting. So, yeah, there's no real. I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I probably just thought it's something. You know, when when I'm just sitting here waiting for pricing to come out, my brain's overworking. Probably that's it. No, it it, it is it is Bermuda uh, greens, by the way. So that. That will help Duffner. His uh, he's slightly below average when it comes to Bermuda, but um, you know, much better than he is on bent grass or Poa. So I, I think it's more form with him that I'm more concerned with. Just a lot of his cuts, and I, you know, I know we're he's not in the 10K oh, I, range. So yeah, I, yeah, no, I wasn't ramp, but, him. I was just trying to get that correlation on the uh, putting. Right. Um, no, I so. mean this is his quote unquote favorite surface or best surface to putt on, but not a. Uh, right. Not great at seventy, and he's seventy-two hundred. So, yeah. So let's get back into the eleven K as we we talked about Fowler, um, Brooks Kepka. Obviously, he's uh, the the second highest ranked player in the world in this tournament, but the third in pricing. So maybe you're getting a little discount from him versus Ricky Fowler. Uh, Kepka's been decent at this course as well. Um, or no, I, I strike that he hasn't really been that decent. He missed a cut, and he's been uh, you know middle twenty-fifth. 39, 51st, not great, or 33rd, excuse me, not great finishes for a guy of that price range. Is Kepka somebody you consider here? Um, this is going to be like last week where I would say he might be the wild card us all in this group. Like, we know he's got ability, but, yeah, this is a weird one because this doesn't seem like a Brooks Kepka course other than the fact that it's a tough course. Uh, and we've seen him in the past two U.S. Opens play tough yeah. courses really well. Uh, last week... Uh, he gained 8.1 strokes tee to green. He lost 5.7 putting. Um, certainly not a – he's probably an average putter. Uh, does actually putt pretty well in Bermuda. But um, So, I mean, the ball striking's there, and I do like ball striking this week. So that's a plus, but 12th tee to green, 10-7. I don't know what to do with him yet. It's like he should play really well here, but again – We've, we really haven't seen much of him yet this year. Maybe this, I mean, the way he played at Mexico, maybe that's coming on. But um, I don't know on him. I, I think I'd probably rather pay the extra 500 for Ricky. But I think you and I both have a common player that we like, and it might even be the cover boy on my fantasy fix, a little bit, yeah, lower, right. than, a little bit lower than Brooks. So maybe we don't end up on Brooks and we end up on the guy at 10-3. Yeah, and that's Adam Scott. Yes. And uh, the the one thing that's going to keep me from making him my annoying him as my favorite player in this tier right off the rip is you've got to expect that he'll be the highest owned guy in this tier. Um, is he's close to the cheapest? The last five years he's played in it four, 
13th, 14th, first, 12th, uh, Adam Scott is certainly a guy who, you know, we talked about the difference in putting. In the Genesis Open, he seems to have really figured things out. Same with the Farmers. He wasn't great at Pebble Beach. But between two of his last three tournaments being really good, great tournament history, you know, he seems to have figured out putting without anchoring, at least when I've been watching him. Uh, he's got to be a good play here, uh, if only not to be owned by everyone. I don't know if he'll be owned by everybody, because I think you're going to see a lot flock to Thomas, because he's a class of the field. People will play Ricky. People will play Sergio, because Sergio's quietly been playing really well this season, except when I played him for one and done at Riviera. So, I think we used him the same week. Oh, that's right, yeah. That was uh, the that was the week we used the exact same two the guys. The Sergio-Louis combination. What could go ever wrong with that duo? But, um, no, Adam Scott, yeah, he's game strokes putting all year. Um, for, been striking the ball fine. He, I mean, his only missed cut, he didn't hit the ball real well at Sony, but... And even in past tournaments, he was only 12% at the Genesis, 11% at Pebble. He was 4.5% at Farmers. Like, I, you know, he's on paper he looks like a good play, but... And, and he is. I just don't know if where ownership's going to be on him. Like, I don't feel... He'll, he'll probably fall in that 10 to 15% range, and if I like him so much... I don't think that's enough for me to get off of him. He's fifth in approach, 16th tee to green, 20th in greens and regulations, 20th par four strokes gain. He's actually 21st in putting over the last 24 rounds, which is above normal for Adam Scott. He's a former winner with good success here at 10-3. I think there's going to be a. I think it was a good case to start off a lot of lineups with Scott. I think I will be doing just that. The last guy, 10K plus, Sergio Garcia, right at 10K. Finished sixth last week in Mexico. Um, pretty good course history, right? Last five years, he's been at least 33rd or better. Uh, there's been a top 15 and two top 10s in there as well. So Garcia makes a lot of sense and has been playing really pretty good, like you said. Uh, I mean, even at the Genesis, right? He finished 37th. He wasn't terrible. No. And he, get, he was plus T to green there, plus T to green last week. Um, struggled a little bit on Sunday at Mexico, but still... He, I mean, he, he was never catching Rory or no. uh, DJ. Like, he was part of that second tier, and he just ended up, I believe, a shot behind that second tier. But, no, I mean, again, he, even when you look at his form over in Europe coming in, coming into um, the past two events of the Genesis in Mexico, I mean, outside of the DQ for taking his uh, anger on a bunker, <laughs> he had seven straight top tens prior to that, including a win. So... He's playing really well right now, and I don't know how many people fully realize it because they're not looking at the Euro stats or the Euro Tour um, results. So for me at 10,000, in a week where we might need value, a guy who's playing that well, he's 10th in approach, 17th tee to green, all things I, I'd like to see this week. 10K is a pretty fair price, and again, some of his stats are a little skewed because he's he plays a lot over in Europe and we just don't get access to the full European tour stats. So I think 10000 is a pretty good price on Sergio. I might even try experimenting and see if I can do a Scott Sergio and see what I, what I can do from there. I like that. Uh, we're starting the next tier, the 9K tier, Gary Woodland. Um, I mean, the guy is just making cut after cut after cut, and he's been really good for the most part. Tied 17th last week. Um, he's got decent course history, I suppose you would say. A second two years ago, 
But uh, 49th, 61st, 68th, those are certainly not going to pay the price for the price you pay at 9800 for him. Woodland is safe, but is he the guy you really want with the upside here? I know because this is a course where you don't really need driver. So maybe the maybe the fact he can hit three wood might be a benefit for him. But I mean, he's in pretty good tee to green. Last week he did lose four strokes at approach, which is um, kind of odd for him. So it's just an off week with the irons. The price is probably pretty fair on him at ninety eight. I mean, stat-wise, second tee to green, sixth in greens for regulation, ninth in approach. I don't know. I just think I like Sergio for 200 more and Scott for 500 more, and I think Woodland will attract some attention. He was highly owned last week, and he really didn't burn anybody at, was he, 7,900 last week, and he finished tied for 17th. So he didn't really burn anybody. I just I, – I think I will pass and hope that I don't get burned by it because – I believe the next golfer is one I like a little bit better than Gary Woodland. Webb Simpson, yes. 9,600. That's who you're talking about. Yes. Um, the first thing I'll ask you, and I know it's not everything, but course history is only, you know, he finished fifth last year, but no uh, no rounds in recent times before that. Um, but, I mean, look, 39th last week, you probably wanted a little better than that. But 20th, 8th, and 3rd, the preceding three tournaments, that's, uh, I like him this week as well. I mean, he's striking the ball really well with his irons. He did gain two and a half strokes on approach last week. Prior to that, it was 5.7, 7.2. He lost strokes off the tee, both in Mexico and in Phoenix. That's mainly because he's just not a far hitter. So in a course where you don't need driver or you don't need to, you know, bomb it so far because it is a tougher course, I think I like Webb a little bit there. His putting has been so much better through the past couple of years than it has historically for him. He is a slightly plus putter on Bermuda, which is always a plus then for him. He's third in my stat model, second in approach, seventh tee to green, fifth par four strokes gain, sixth in bogey avoidance, which I really do think is an important stat this week. At 9,600, I think he provides a lot of value in this 9K range, and he's probably my favorite 9K player. Like I, I think he's better than Woodland. Woodland's probably playing better a little bit, but I think overall I'd rather have Webb over Gary Woodland on this Another, course. Yeah, another guy right there in that mix at 9,500 is Cam Smith. If it is windy, he's Australian. Is there a oh. correlation? Uh, he's certainly been playing really well as of late. Uh, 49th in the Genesis, but a 6th, a 15th, and a 9th in the tournaments around that. 22nd if you want to go back even further into early January. I think, I think at 9,500, Cam Smith... If he's not, uh, if he's, you know, I think he could be overlooked and be a good player. I don't, th- I don't know if he'll go overlooked. He's another one that DFS, DFS players like to play. Um, but yeah, you're right. Good form, kind of like Webb, losing strokes off the tee. He's, not, I don't think he's a really big hitter. But uh, the the slight warning sign is that he did gain 6.4 strokes putting last week. So, but he, I mean, he's had some other pretty good putting performances. The problem is if the putter goes away, it could be a little bit of concern. But no, um, he fits. I don't. I don't see a course history on him. So, and I don't. I haven't really looked to see how first timers do here. But third approach, sixth and par four strokes gain, ninth and bogey avoidance, eleventh tee to green. He hits all the models I'm looking at. Um, for me, I, I'm playing. I'm playing limited lineups this week, and it might just kind of be give me Webb instead of Cam Smith. But I. I don't mind Smith at all. 
Daniel Berger at 9,400 seems odd to me. I get the fact that, uh, what, a couple, a couple of years ago, or last year he finished 29th and he finished second four years ago. Missed two cuts in between that, and the form is just not there for me. Okay, tied for second at the Puerto Rico Open, but that's not where that's not where the prime players were at for the most part. No, but if we're talking, if I think there's a correlation between Honda and the FedEx St. Jude, Daniel Berger, I mean, he, he didn't win last year, but he'd won the two prior years at TBC Southwind. So, and he's, he's, he was the first name I looked at when I saw he was in this field. You know, I kind of wanted to see, okay, I knew that there was a correlation with him at, at FedEx St. Jude. Then when I saw his pretty good finishes here in the past, yeah, I know there's a couple of his cuts, but he's at a very intriguing price just for that correlation play. Um, seventh in approach, eighth in bogey avoidance. Really, it's a putter and a par four uh, strokes gain that are an issue, but I, I think 9,400 is fair. I don't know how many people will play him, though. Um, like, he'd be one I could go to if I, if I see he's really low-owned, but... Yeah, it does feel a little bit expensive on him. It might, I mean, I don't know what to do with him yet. How's that? How's that for a non-committal answer? No, that's fair. I could almost see the price being high enough that you think, well, okay, maybe it pays off and it'll be lower ownership because the price is high. So I could see it almost like I could see myself talking myself for a circle from liking or from not liking to liking him. So right, uh, like, now I guarantee it will be in at least one of my lineups. Well, part of the problem though too is like. Webb Simpson's a better player than him. Why not just yes. pay the extra two hundred for Webb? Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Is like it just seems like he's in a different stratosphere than even Smith, Webb, Woodland. I just don't feel like his name belongs in that group. Is, and is I, why I, the pricing yeah, might I, scare so many people why I use him now. And I believe Berger's still coming off of a wrist injury, or he's. I mean, I think he's fully recovered from it, but he's still trying to get himself back a little bit. So that might be another one to keep an eye on. 9,300, Billy Horschel. Uh, I mean, he's certainly making a lot of cuts. Uh, you know, at 9,300, I probably want more than 45th, 39th, where he's finished the last two outings. But uh, an eighth at the Farmers isn't all that long ago. And you look at this course, didn't make the cut last year, but he's got two top tens two previous years. So uh, inter- another interesting name here. Yeah, and he's another one. If I'm looking at Southwind as a uh, at the FedEx St. Jude, He's got four top tens in his last uh, four appearances, five years there. We've seen him play well in the FedEx Cup playoffs, tend to be the tougher events too. Um, he's one I, I, I was kind of hoping he'd be in the 8Ks because I think he does make a lot of sense, a lot of sense here. Um, seventh in greens and regulations, 10th in putting, 12th bogey avoidance, 29th tee to green. He really is, he's top 31 in every single stat I'm looking at this week. He, he, he's a really nice price at 9300 I think the only concern, I think some people could go to him. I actually know recent ownership outside of the Tournament of Champions has been pretty low. Um, decent on Bermuda. Maybe not the, he's an okay win player. Last week in Mexico, he just didn't really do anything. He lost 2.8 strokes T to green. Has been a little reliant on the putter. So he makes sense here. He, he's definitely going to be one of my, Guys, I'm considering maybe he's a last cut or last guy in my player pool. I think I'm only playing three lineups this week, so I will be somewhat limited, but he's another really intriguing name for me at that price. 
the next name is somebody I know that you have turned to oh. before, and that's Luke List. 9,200, when I looked at the course history before Bryson came out, I certainly had him on my radar. Um, but then at 9,200, I kind of I take a little bit of a pause. Second and tenth, two of the last three years with a 52nd wrapped around it. And that's just kind of like indicative of Luke List as a whole, either really good or not so good. <laughs> this is his last finishes, uh, 15th, cut, 40th, cut, 4th, cut, 4th. Now, that's going all the way back in October, the beginning of the swing, that's uh, the, the season. But, but I mean, you want to talk about risk-reward at 9,200 here. Is it too risky? I'm surprised he's that high. I'm going to play a fade because he'll be popular because people remember him losing the playoff. Pat Mayo will bump him up because Pat Mayo plays Luke List every week, and Luke List is going to win a tournament at some point. I'm with him on this one. But when I look back at last year's uh, Honda where he finished second, he gained 11.2 strokes tee to green. He gained five strokes putting. Like, he's only had four other tournaments in the past year where he gained any strokes putting. So for Luke List to be getting five strokes putting and not win, I mean, that's a tough ask. He has been a little better the past two weeks. He's only lost seven-tenths of a stroke putting, which for Luke List is pretty good. I just think the putting reliance from a year ago, plus the... The fact that DFS golfers love to play him. At 9,200, yeah, this is screaming pass to me. As much as I like him, I think game three is going to take over here. If you do like him, though, eighth tee to green, 18th and par four strokes gain, 102nd putting. So if his putting's there, he's got a chance. But do we really think he's going to gain five strokes putting again? I will, I will play the odds and say no. Next guy at 9,100, Byung Hyun. Um... He's finished fifth year last year, limited course history, however. Uh, if you look at World Golf Rankings, he's actually ahead of the last two guys we talked about. So in that logic, he's a value having finished fifth year last year and being a little bit higher ranked. Uh, recent form, pretty good. I mean, he's given you 70, 86, and 86 DraftKings points. At 9,100, if I play him and gets 86 DraftKings points this week, I think I'd be pretty pretty pleased with that. Oh, I think if you get 80 points, uh, yeah. 80 points is going to be top five this week just because of how That's tough this course is That's true with the lower scoring, yeah. Um, last week at Mexico, here's a concern. He lost six strokes on approach. He lost four strokes putting. His around the green game past two tournaments has been pretty good. I think he had some crazy rounds uh, Saturday or Sunday where I think he went really low. 9,100 feels a little too expensive for me. Again, I will, I will pass and bet on. 64 on Saturday, by the way. That's what it was. I knew, he, I knew he went really low at one round. The one thing I'm wondering about, guys who lost strokes uh, on approach last week, how many of them lost strokes short and long, and how many of them lost short strokes left and right? Because to me, I feel like there is a big difference there, given the uncertainty with the, uh, with the elevation a little bit. That is a fair point. That is something maybe to factor in. Um, yeah, I don't know if they. I, I'd have to. I don't know if they keep track of those. You know, unlikely, unlikely. Just, just like you know, if you, if if that's the last determining factor for me, I might be able to look away a little bit because of that. Right. No, that is fair to kind of. Somebody has a bad week because of all the elevation changes and the numbers. No, that is that. That's actually a really good point, which I hadn't thought of. So, yeah, maybe take it with a grain of salt. If you see somebody struggling last week, it could just be, well, they just didn't adjust the elevation changes real well. Next guy on the list, in fact, the last guy in the 9K range is Alex Noren. 
And uh, an interesting one for me, I don't know, again, I don't know that I have a favorite play in any tier, but given that he's cheap right now at 900, cheapest in this tier anyway, finished third at the tournament last year, and I look at the World Golf Rankings, and he's, I mean, he's ahead of Adam Scott. He's ahead of Horschel. He's ahead of List. He's ahead of On. He's ahead of Berger. All these guys we've mentioned ahead of him. And finishing third here last year, he's a guy I look at, and I feel like uh, I may be interested in turning to him. Now, again, he got cut at the Farmers Open. He didn't finish good last week at the Mexico, and he wasn't great at the waste management. Um, so his real recent form isn't great. No. Um, much better over in Europe. Uh, he ended last season with four straight top 25s. We're not going to count. or five, uh, Yeah, four. We're not going to count the Hero World Challenge. So, But I'll say that he hasn't been real great as of late. Last week in Mexico, he lost four and a half strokes at approach lock, six strokes putting, which is very unlike him. Um, did win, like, the French Open last year. That was a pretty good field. Uh, that's where, And then they went back for the Ryder Cup. So that would be a, another tough course, too. I get I get the value play here, world ranking versus price. I just I don't think he's in good enough form that I really want to go to him yet. Um, so I will pass on Norin, but I completely get the play. I'm going to go with uh, the next guy. That's in the top of the next tier. That's the 8K tier, the 8,900 tier. And uh, I might sound a little crazy here. At 8,900, I think my favorite play in the 9K tier is 8,900 at Emiliano Grillo. <laughs> I, I, I know it doesn't Wait a minute. No, 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 no. But, you don't get to cheat like that. But if I'm looking at the 9K tier, I might just say, why pay 9K for some of these low-end 9K guys? and go get him. I don't know. Eighth last year. Now, granted, the two previous years, they weren't great. But, you know, the guy's making cuts. And uh, while he wasn't great at Mexico, he'd been pretty decent before that. Um, when I look at what he's done this year, 22nd at Sony, 52nd at Farmers, 33rd at Phoenix, 58th last week is because he lost 10.5 strokes short game, meaning around the green and putting. Um, in fact, he's losing four strokes a, a tournament putting, which is a concern. So he's hitting in the ball. His uh, off the tee has been pretty good. His approach has been good, but just losing way too much around the green. At 8,900, I don't, I can't pay personally for somebody who doesn't have a top 10 since October. That just is way too much for me to ask. Um, again, third and greens regulations, eighth and approach, completely get that. But 90 seconds scrambling, 126 putting, and those are just major red flags for me. And plus, he will attract some attention because people love playing Grillo. I think he is a full pass for me at 8,900. Lucas Glover, 8,800. Um, I know there's a lot of reasons to look at him, uh, certainly besides the cut at the waste management, uh, a 12th and a 7th that he put together to start the 2019 calendar year. And uh, looking at Glover at the this tournament the last two years pretty good missed some cuts and then a fourth all the way back to 2013 so when i ran my stat model last night i did not expect lucas glover to be number one in my stat model um he he ranks out in the past 24 rounds he ranks out first in greens and re regulation bogey avoidance for me second par four strokes gained fourth tee to green 12th in approach even his putting, 55th. For Lucas Glover, that's actually pretty good because he's not a good putter. In fact, even the past few tournaments, yeah, 
at Pebble, he gained four strokes putting. He's actually had some positives in that time. Get rid of the cut at the Phoenix Open. Prior to that, he was 12th at the Desert Classic, 11th at RSM, 7th at Shriners, 14th at Sanderson Farms, and 17th at Safeway. So in his past seven tournaments, he has six top 20 finishes. In this field at 8,800, for as much as, as well as he's ball striking right now, it seems a little high to play for, for Lucas Glover, especially when we see, like, Zach Johnson for 100 cheaper. But elite ball striker in really good form, I think this makes some sense here. I, I will definitely be using some Lucas Glover at 8,800. Yeah, and you mentioned Johnson, the next guy on the list. It just, uh, I feel a lot safer with Glover and getting some points in the bag. And the reason I say that, I look at Zach Johnson – I mean, what he's done recently, at least as far as this calendar year, 2019, a cut, a 28th and a 39th, I don't know, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. And then, okay, he finished 27th and 33rd here in the last five years, but has two missed cuts. Uh, I, I feel like I'm off Zach Johnson. Am I right, wrong? Should talk me in or out of it. Um, No, it's fine. It's fine at this price to be off of him if you don't like his form. Um. I would then argue with you that if you don't like Zach Johnson, I don't know how you can like Grillo then uh, it, it was similar form. Plus, Zach Johnson's a better player at 200 cheaper. I would rather play Zach Johnson than Grillo. But, um, yeah, I'm one who typically plays a lot at Zach Johnson, especially when he seems like he's underpriced in a field like this. Um, but if I like Lucas Glover so much and I like a couple of guys in the low 10K range, how many 8K guys can I really play? So... He probably will not make my final list if I was playing 10 or 20 lineups. I would have him in a couple, but, yeah, form's good enough for me to kind of take a pass on him. Russell Henley, the next guy, he's got a, he's got a win here. Been five years ago, 24th last year. He's been up and down at 8,600. Uh, I don't know what to make of him either. He's been cut two of the last four tournaments he's played and four, uh, three of the last six. So it's risky, but... He's a pass champ. I will pass. Just the form isn't there. Um, Phoenix, he was, I mean, Phoenix was his best tournament, but even at Genesis, he just didn't really do much. Pebble didn't do much, and then prior to that, he'd been bad. So, you know what? I will let him beat me. There's, again, I like Glover a lot more in this range. I can't play everybody in the 8K range. I mm. Even if I could, I'm not playing Ruffle Henley. Fair enough. I'm, I'm probably passing on... Matt Wallace, unless you have any reasons otherwise at 8,500. Um, I mean, he'd probably be another one if you're looking at world ranking versus, um, versus, I mean, he's 38th in the world. Let me, let's pull up his uh, recent tournament. Second Dubai. That was a pretty good field. 16th at Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, he's, on the Euro Tour, he's come out in with some top finishes. Um, so he was 19th in the PGA at uh, Belle Reve. Um, he might be one I might have to dig into a little bit more. I doubt I play him. Like, I'm not going to tell you, oh, I'm definitely playing him. I doubt I do, but I think he, I mean, at 8,500, nobody's going to play him because they don't realize him unless you're, unless the true diehards who play the Euro Tour want to take a shot on him. Um, I will probably end up passing on him, though. 8,400 JT Poston, uh, a seventh at the Desert Classic. Five top 40s to start the uh, calendar year since January. Uh, I look at JT Poston. Uh, I think he's played here just one time, and it was the 27th two years ago. I don't know. Seems like it'd be a reasonably safe play at 8,400. 
What did he did he play Puerto Rico last week? I don't have access to that. Um, he did not. He played the the, uh, the Genesis is his last okay. tournament tied tied twenty eighth. So I mean, I see a bunch of top thirties, and I know this isn't the strongest field, but I really don't know why he's eighty four hundred. Um, fifth bogey avoidance, eighth in par four strokes gain, eighth putting. I get it. I, I, it's just. I don't see 8,400 for JT Poston here. He feels like someone who probably should be in the mid to upper 7Ks, and so I really don't... I must be missing something for him to be 8,400. I really don't... I don't, I now, don't one get thing, that. I would say, one, the one argument I would make is, I mean, there's only about 15 of the top 50 players in the world in this tournament. So you're, you're losing a lot of... You know, there's not a lot of depth to this field. Right, but when I look at golfers even below him, um, Kirish Afi Barnrot, um, Charles Schwarzel, who's in terrible form, Michael Thompson's been on fire, Russell Knox is a better player. Um, I, I, I don't see JT Post at 8,400. I, I, I honestly do not understand this one. Fair enough. Somebody, somebody uh, got, I, I might have to post that one on Twitter and see if somebody can give me a reason why he's 8,400. Like, He's a fine 7K go- He's like a fi- you want to price him at 7,400. That's fine. I mean that makes some sense. But I don't get. I I honestly do not get this one. This one stumps me. Sounds like the recent form probably enough to keep you off Charles Schwartzel at 8,300. Yes, he's been um, bad. There's just you know I mean he played the Puerto Rico and uh, finished 11 under, tied for six. But cut the Genesis, cut the waste management, cut at the farmers. I can't imagine that he's worth taking a risk even off last week, is he? No, and, I mean, he's got a couple of top uh, top ten finishes like five, six years ago, but I'm not playing Charles. He's also on withdrawal risk anytime, so careful. Afi Barnrat, I know we talked about him when we talked about good names last year or last week. Um, he put up pretty good, finished in that group, tied for third at 11 under. And uh, like you said, I mean, he's probably one of the top highest ten ranked guys in the world. In this tournament, so is that good enough to get Kiradesh in your lineup where he's at? Only played uh, last year 68th finish in this tournament, so uh, not a ton of history. That's not a great finish, but 8,200, and he's mostly, I guess, sort of playing good or <laughs> getting cut, one or the other, right? So it's either great or getting cut. So here's his past six tournaments. 14th on the Asian Tour, miscut at Abu Dhabi, miscut at the Farmers, 33rd at Phoenix, miscut at Genesis, third at Mexico. Like, if you want to play him and you're, you know, in tournaments only, yes, I get it. In tournaments only at 8,200, he's better than Charles, he's better than Poston, he's probably better than Wallace and Henley. Uh, and maybe a debate, I mean, I'd probably take him over Grillo, personally. Um, I still would trust Zach Johnson more, maybe Lucas Glover's on the same level, so there is some value here with Avi Barnrot. But I can also see him getting a lot of ownership because he is a world-class player. And coming off a third last week in Mexico, he should attract some extra attention. Yeah, he got a lot of TV time there towards the end of the day as well. So he's fresh on people's minds. Uh, the next guy, the second to last in the AK tier, Scott Piercy. Uh, form seems pretty good. I think 17th was his finish here last year. Um, a Probably a fair price and a reasonable play at 8100 Yeah, again, look, I mean – Pretty good ball striker, 18th tee to green, 18th at approach. Um, 38th bogey points isn't bad, but everything is Scott Piercy, 93rd putting. Um, 
he will go overlooked because I think the chalk of the week is the next guy that we're going to talk about. But coming off a of 10th at Pebble, 20th at Phoenix. Um, yeah, Phoenix is getting way too many strokes putting. That's 5.4. That's rare for him. Didn't really do a whole lot of this shot track courses at Pebble. Um, he's a he's an okay play. Again, I just don't see myself going to him unless I need unless I need to pivot off of the guy who I think will be chalk. Michael Thompson finished first six years ago. 24th last year, been playing pretty good. 8K, you say big chalk, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. Is this almost a case of where you just differentiate with the other five guys? Um, I don't know. Like, Michael Thompson is not a guy that, do we really want to start playing him when he's chalky? Like, that's the concern. I mean, when you look at his recent form, 9th at the Desert Classic, 13th at the Farmers, 10th at Pebble, 7th at the Genesis. I mean, he's gaining, his irons are on fire right now. He's gained at least 3.2 strokes at all four of those tournaments. He's a former winner here. I believe he's like 40 to 1 in the betting market, which is crazy. I don't even know what his world rank is. I get, let me see if I can find that as I'm talking here. Like, there's a lot to like here. But the problem is I think everybody's going to recognize that. So all of a sudden, what He's do you do with him? 136, by the way. Oh, it's actually a little higher than I thought, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. I'm, af- I'm already afraid he'll be 20 to 30% owned. <laughs> That's just something I don't want at a tough course like this. Um, I... Pr- Man. Because he fits, I mean, even stat-wise, when I look at this, 14th to green, 17th in approach, 20th in bogey avoids. Like, he hits all the numbers, and everybody around him just kind of, eh, you see their names that are struggling or just some unsure names. Man. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. He's a fine play. I just worry about him getting a little too popular for my uh, liking. Into the 7K range we go, and uh, some interesting names. I'm skipping past Joel Dahman. I uh, don't need him after two consecutive cuts. I assume <laughs> we'll stay now and go on to CT Pan, who at 7,800, uh, coming off of a 44th of Genesis. Um, I think he's a guy that I'll be interested in looking at. A 17th last year. Where do you stand on Pan? Uh, form just isn't there right now. Yes, I know he's made four cuts in a row, but his best finish is 44th. Um, mm-hmm. may, I mean, I've, I think I've already seen a little bit of buzz on him, so, I might, you know, maybe that'll, somebody will say something that'll make me kind of want to look at him. I, this price, I think I'm going to pass. I think I'd rather pay, or at the same price, give me Russell Knox. Yeah, I like him too. Um, short course, which is always a Russell Knox specialty. Like he, he's not a good, uh, I mean, he's not a long hitter, so shorter the course, the better for him. Uh, last week lost two and a half strokes putting in Mexico, so that was his main downfall. But prior to that, pretty good tee to green stats, pretty good putting stats. Uh, does he have a course history here? I, like yes, he, a very interesting one, oh, if you oh. will. Missed cut, missed cut, 26th, third, second. Yeah, I think he went through. I think he went through some struggles during. Uh, was it late sixteen, maybe into seventeen and eighteen? Like yeah, seventeen and eighteen are his two missed cuts here. Yeah, he's the guy I would rather take a chance on. If I'm pivoting off Thomas, I'd rather go to Knox. 
Good win player, too, if we need if we need it. Um, second bogey avoidance, fifth in scrambling, tenth in greens regulation, 22nd tee to green, 16th par 4 strokes gain. Like, to me, he's a better player than Piercy. He's better than Dahman. Long-term, he's better than Thompson. I get why Thompson's 8K. He's better than Charles. He's better than Poston. I'd probably take him over Matt Wallace and Henley. He provides some value here at 7,800. Yeah, taking a look at some of the next couple of guys. I'm passing unless you give me another reason. That's Hadley, Chess and Hadley and Weekend. Yes, I will pass. Then we get Graham McDowell at 7,600. Oh, and, boy. you know, uh, 18th a couple of weeks ago, finished 42nd at the Puerto Rico last week. So, uh, Graham McDowell, I also believe, has been decent at this course. Didn't make the cut last year. But, yeah, in the last seven years, he's had three top 10s and a top 15. This will be an interesting one because, yeah, he played well at Pebble. He always plays Pebble well. Like, he's going to be one of those sneaky long shots come a U.S. Open time. Or we'll see how sneaky he is. Um, right. Pretty good stats all around. Uh, six in putting, 10th par four strokes gain. His worst stats, 48 tee to green, but at 7,600, I don't mind him. Um, yeah, I was kind of hoping he would be more than a low 7K. Like, I was. You know, mid seven K is probably right. I was hoping maybe we'd get a little bit of value on him, but um, we'll see on that one. However, for me, because I can't quit the guy, I know it. He'll I will probably play him until he wins. Um, and he finally showed a little bit of form of the Genesis. He lost four strokes putting. Nothing new for him. Joaquin Neiman, 7,600. 7, He's going. I mean. I think he's going to be like a Rommler. He's going to win at some point. Once he wins, he's going to take off to be a top 10, top 15 player in the world. He's not there yet, but I think it's close. At the Genesis, he gains six and a half strokes T to green. So he hits that He, he, he hits that for me. 20th T to green overall. It's the scrambling putting, which is, of course, a big concern. But at 7,600 in a week where we're maybe struggling to find some value here, Neiman makes a lot of sense for me from an upside perspective. Probably not cash games, but GPPs, yes, give me some Neiman. What about Jimmy Walker at 7,500? You know, I I don't think you could say the form has been very good. Uh, You could. You'd be wrong, though. (laughs) And... But, you know, at, at his price and his recent course history, 33rd, 21st, 43, this is a major champion. We know the guy can play well. Any interest here? I will pass. Just, again, not playing well enough for me. Um, lost eight strokes putting in the Genesis, which is, even for him, is a little, he tends to be a little variable putting, but he's just not hitting irons well enough to make up for it. Uh, getting a lot of strokes around the green, which is never a good thing, so... I mean, it's okay here, but I'm just going to pass on Jimmy Walker. I don't see a need to go to him. Scott Brown at 7,400. Do anything for you? 37th of the Genesis. Did not make the cut at the Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am. Finished ninth at the Farmers, however. So a decent couple of good runs there. And uh, made, a, made a nice run here to a 10th three years ago. So I'm in, a, I'm in three one-and-done leagues. One of them actually made me pick somebody for the Puerto Rico Open. And I chose Scott Brown. I think he ended up T10, so um, not, yep. ter- not terrible. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with him. He's like a guy that if you're playing 20 lineups or more, throw him into a couple because he's either going to miss the cut in horrific fashion, like he'll be like eight over, or he'll, he'll give you some entertainment if he's playing decent. Um, maybe a better first-round leader type of guy. 
I don't see myself going to him, but he's more of a GPP dart. Any of the uh, other guys at 7,400 doing anything for you? We got um, Clark, we got Stroud. Dylan Fratelli is interesting. He, he, he's a, he came from the Euro Tour. He's starting to play more here on the PGA. Um, had a decent Genesis game, 2.7 strokes at approach, and this field's nowhere near as strong. So, did he. He played here last year, I believe. Did he do anything here? Eleventh uh, last year. He's one I might take a look at. Um, I don't know what his world ranking is, but he's he's a solid player here. He's better than some of these other names. Um, better than Kelly Crafter, I think, was also a top ten at Puerto Rico. Um, I might I could see myself going for Kelly if he's low owned. He's eighty seventh in the world. Yeah. Fratelli interests me. I don't know if I'll play him, but he certainly draws my attention a little bit. 13th tee to green, 31st par 4 strokes gain, 35th approach. So that's enough for me despite, to at least take a look at him. And despite what you think from the name, he's not Italian. He's South African, so potentially uh, a good win player. <laughs> and, the most, and the least likely South African not named Ernie Else would draw because uh, Louis and Charles kind of have a history of that. Uh, Brendan Grace doesn't withdraw either, so... But yeah, going we'll, down. We'll go yeah, no, uh, no, I was just gonna say let's go down the list a little bit. Uh, I mean, some guys, some guys late, lower on. Harold Barner did uh, pretty good a couple of weeks ago at the Waste Management, then got cut. Uh, a popular guy. Any interest in him at seventy three hundred? Um, boy, not a great history, which I was kind of looking to see. Uh, he'll draw attention. I mean, he's got, he's got, he's, like, he, he's one of the. Cold. He's what? He's like hot and cold. He's either he's either a really good finish or doesn't make a cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know what also helps him, too? People love playing him because he's such a, he's such a laid-back guy, great smile, uh, easy to, you know, anytime he gets interviewed, he's, he's kind of funny. He's actually got, he's, he's a decent Twitter follower, too. Seems um, pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. He yeah, actually I, apologized for not making the cut the last time to a guy on Twitter for having a bad round. He's like, I'll get you next time, buddy. <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me. He seems like a really great guy. Um... Yeah, tournament only, but again, the problem is I think people will go right to him at 7,300. In fact, it's either him or Sung J.M. at 7,300 that people will go to. Um, M, coming from the web, has missed two straight cuts, so that is a concern, but prior to that, 7th, 52nd, 12th, 16th, so he had been playing well. Maybe a little bit, maybe a week week off will help. Uh, we'll see what he's like when he comes eastward. Um, 7,300 seems like a little bit of a bargain for him. Third tee to green, 20th in approach. So he's got good ball striking numbers. It's the short game that kind of is a little bit of a concern. What about Coco Crack at seventy three hundred? I mean, he's making a lot of cuts. Yeah, that's a yeah. Like this, this seventy three hundred dollar price range is going to be quite popular. So, I think so too. Or I won't say quite popular, but it, there's some good players here. Um, at the Genesis game, four four point seven on approach, lost four strokes putting. So that's a little variant for him. Um. Played well at Phoenix. The Farmers, he was fine. Gained 5.2 strokes putting there. Yeah, this seems like he's a little underpriced here. So, you know, maybe, I would probably have at least one of these guys, Coke Rack or Sung J.M. I might have both. Hey, it's a good way to get two 10K guys in, right? I mean, that's something you have to do. Uh, I mentioned Duffner at the start of the show. Not necessarily uh, no. just because he had some good finishes here. At three top 17s in the last four years. Uh, I don't know that anything he's done recently 
would inspire you to put him in a lineup. There's no reason to go there, is there? No. I'm not playing him. Fair, fair enough. Uh, anybody else left in the 7K range? I know we've got a, a pretty good, uh, healthy list. I know uh, one guy, I, a couple guys, I was looking at 7K. I don't know if there's any 7,100 guys you want to hit. Yeah, Pat Kazire kind of jumps out at me a little bit. 27th last week in Mexico, even though the concern there is he gained six strokes putting, lost 3.72 to green, so that's always a slight concern on him. Um, let me see, what's Mark Keimer's uh, history here? Uh, had a fourth two years ago. Like, this seems like a Martin Keimer type of course. I don't know. Let's see, what, what's his form? Um, 60th at the Genesis, ugh, did not ugh, make the cut at the waste management. Ugh. Yeah, there's a bad form for Keimer, unless he's done something overseas. But um, He yeah. was decent, 24th, 22nd in uh, Dubai, in the two Dubai tournaments. Okay. Yeah, you could go to him. Um, Brian Gage just makes a lot of strokes putting, um, but lost eight strokes with a Genesis on approach, which is... I don't... Unless he's got... Unless he's got elite course history, I don't want to go there. No, he doesn't. I don't remember so seeing that he did. I won't go there. I wonder if I wonder if the 7K guy you like is the same one I like. Cause, well, I always like this guy because, you know what, I somehow unintentionally have the same swing as him, and that's Jim Furyk at 7K. Yeah, Furyk's definitely a guy you could play. Uh, I think Brennan Steele was a name I was looking at as well, um, based on course history, not necessarily recent form. So, no. Um, you, no, no, no on steel, you say. No. Furyk, I mean... Furyk's been playing decent. 14th and 37th. He even had a 6th at the OHL back in the fall. He was 4th at Wyndham at the, to close the regular season last year. Um, when I look at the stat model, he's 1st in Greens regulation, 2nd par 4 strokes gained, 3rd scrambling, 3rd bogey avoidance. He's top 40 in every stat I'm looking at at 7K. He was very low-owned, too, coming off a good performance at Pebble, so he was not high-owned at at, um, at Riviera. I think Yeah, he, I was not upset using him. No, he was fine. Um, and he's not, I mean, this, you know, this seems like a Jim Furyk type of course, former U.S. Open winner. He's not going to go out score everybody, especially as he gets up there in age, but at 7K, I, I do not mind a little uh, Jim Furyk again. We should hit one more 7K name before uh -oh. we move on to the final tier. Oh, uh, and it's it. the other Rory, right? Rory Sabatini, oh, he won it in 2011. He finished 17th oh. last year. Oh, the other Rory. Um, this, this guy, every this time he pops for me, he misses a cup by one or two strokes. Like That's what happened at Pebble. I think he missed by one. I think I might have played him there. Um, just not really hitting his irons well right now. Like, he's a guy I can't get right. I get if you want to play him at 7K, he's got some upside, but his form just to me right now is not good enough for me to really want to go there. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going there. It's just uh, noticing a 17th last year. He's won it before at 7K, um, throwing him out there. We get into the 6K range, and, you know, again, just getting into, again, just starting here as these prices came out. Kind of, kind of digging through a couple of names, and uh, the first one that I kind of look at and think, I don't know, uh, maybe yeah, there's a couple here, but I'm going to go down to Roberto Castro, and he's putting up a decent amount of DraftKings points. Again, this was the Puerto Rico Open, but he put up 79. He put up 63 at the AT&T Pebble Beach Program. He didn't make the cut at the Farmers, but he put up 81 points at the Desert Classic. An interesting play at 6,800. 
yeah, not bad at all. He's gaining strokes on approach. Um, he he got he was one who had been on the tour, got sent to the web last year, played his way back on the tour this year. Um, has has only missed one cut this season. Um, granted, granted, outside of the fifth at the Sanderson Farms, really hasn't done much. But he's gaining strokes on approach. He's losing off the tee, losing a little bit putting. Um, let's see. Yeah, not great on Bermuda, not great windy, playing wind, but, again, we can't really be beggars here down at 6,800. Um, yeah, once you get in the 6K range, I mean, I think if you get a made cut and you get value, you can use that money on another player. I think that's all I'm looking for down here is made cuts and, yeah, and you know, and, and he, he ranks tw- he, he ranks 20th in my model, 19th in approach, uh, 30th greens in regulation, 28th par 4 strokes gain. The only thing he's really, you know, he's above average everything except scrambling where he's 70th. So, yeah, that's not a ter- I mean, I don't mind it at 6,800. Um, the, the guy that I like at 6,800, Stuart Sink, um, he's another one I just tend to always play. And he feels a little too cheap here. I think he missed he missed a cut somewhere recently. Um, or was at it the, the Farmers? Farmers? Yeah, and didn't really play all that great at Phoenix. Um but he's still 15th tee to green, 24th scrambling, 23rd par four strokes gain. I don't think he's got an immaculate history here. He has a decent one at Southwind. If a, His course history is basically what you want out of your 6K golf. Oh, yeah. Uh, starting at 2018, 46th, 27th, 26th, 31st, 58th, 41st, 36th. You know, you're not, you're not playing him to get a win, but he's making the cut here. Right, if he ends up, if he ends up thirty first, you're not complaining at a. Oh, you pumped at that. So yeah, sixty eight hundred. I mean, all right. So now we're starting to find a couple of these names here with Sink and Castro that I certainly think you could play. This doesn't feel like a Keith Mitchell course. I'd rather have him in a course where he could hit driver a lot. Um, let's see, nothing on Kevin Streelman. I was kind of waiting to see because this could this could be. I thought this might be a course for Kevin Streelman, but not really. Um, what about Scott Langley out there at 6,800? Yeah. I mean, we turned to him at the Genesis, and a 37th wasn't bad. No. What? Oh, he's still... Yeah, first in putting, sixth in scrambling, 14th in par for our strokes gain. Problem for me, though, 111th in uh, tee to green, 104th on approach. Let's see, yeah. Even at the Genesis... Yeah. Here's the problem. Genesis, he lost 5.7 strokes off the tee. Was actually okay approach, but he gained seven strokes putting. So he seems very putter reliant, but he's another one. Only only two, uh, sorry, only three missed cuts since coming back to uh, this uh, this season since, since coming back from the web. So, um, he's not a bad flyer. I don't again. I think I like Sink and Castro a little bit better, but I I understand the Scott Langley play, and you know I think some people might might even go to Johnny Vegas, who I be, I believe this was the course a couple of years ago. He yeah. Yeah, when he finished fourth, I believe he had a hole-in-one, so, of course, you can imagine all the uh, luck in Vegas uh, references or Vegas luck that uh, happened <laughs> when course. he did that. And of course, you want to talk about, like, we talk about Harold Varner being a pretty upbeat guy. Uh, Vegas is another one, like, you could just tell he was just really enjoying that moment. Um, was 10th at Phoenix, uh, missed the cut of the Genesis, but didn't look like he missed it by much. It was more putting that cost him and some bad irons. Um, he's not terrible at 6,800, so... There's some $6,800 plays you can take a look at down here. I think there's a guy at 6600 you got to consider, and that's Ernie Els. You mentioned him oh, just yeah. talking about the South Africans before, but 
uh, look, Ernie, 28th at the AT&T Pebble Beach, 56th at the Genesis. You know what? Honestly, you probably will take a 56 if you pay 6600 And Els has won this tournament before. It's It's been 10 years. Yeah, um, he's, he's a cut maker. Like, he's a last guy you put in your lineup type of guy. I don't mind that at all. Um, trying to see if there's anybody else as we look down here, anybody else that's kind of even slightly popping. Um, you know Johnson Wagner coming off of a pretty big, uh, you know, granted, Puerto Rico. But he finished second, and he finished 57th at Pebble Beach. I mean, he's a guy I'm looking at at 6,500, not hmm. uh, dying to throw in my lineup. But he seems like he seems like uh, you know playing good, and certainly the Puerto Rico field not as good, but it doesn't change the fact that he finished second. So this is a weird stat line: um, eighth in greens and regulations, but 85th in greens, 61st in approach, 18th in putting. So that those are some. Those are some really weird numbers on him. Um, not great form, really not losing a lot of strokes everywhere, so not doing a ton for me. I, I get it, but not really. Um, one guy that I can see getting a little bit of attention, and again, if we're, if we're wanting to play the world, the official world golf ranking narrative street here, um, Lucas Bajeragard, who I did mention in the Wednesday update last week, 6,400 from Denmark, he is 51st in the world. He has some motivation this week because the top 50 in the world after this week get an invite to the players. So he's 51st. He needs to make a cut and probably do something semi-decent, like probably 30th. I don't know what the exact thing is. Um, did not play well last week at Mexico, but even prior to that, 29th in Dubai, 49th in Abu Dhabi. This guy is a scorer. When he's on, I believe he was top five in birdies on the Euro Tour uh, last year, or, or this year. So, you can do worse than the 51st ranked golfer in the world at 6,400. Granted, this is only his second start ever in North America, or at least the past two years. And The first was last week in Mexico, where he didn't do real well. Um, I don't know if this is the type of course for him. I, I can't say I know a ton about him, but... If we're looking at world golf rankings for his price, he would be significantly underpriced. I don't know that there's a whole lot left uh, as far as guys once you get past, you know, about 6,500. You got a guy like Vijay Singh. He's won it before, but, you know, he's he's well past prime at this point. Um, a couple names I like at the bottom, but when I say I like, it's because I like the golfer, be it Ben Crane or Jim Herman. But John Hu at 60, at 6K. All right, look, we're we're don't, we're going to the absolute bottom of the barrel. He finished 70th at the Waste Management, 25th at the Farmers, 70th at the Desert Classic. No, he got he didn't make the cut the previous uh, the the two tournaments since. He's got a decent little course history. He's got three top 25s in the last four years. Missed the cut once in 2017. Dare I use a 6K golfer this week? Uh yes. I think there. I think you can. Um, I'm not sure, Johnny. Okay. Johnny, huh? If you want to go with the, uh, you know, huh, like question mark or. I follow you. Or you know, um, again, I'll, I'll reference Pat Mayo here. The he does the Tim Allen, huh, for uh, John Ha. Huh, but um, yeah, not great form, not great stats, um, decent course history. But if I play a 6K guy. I will head to our neighbors to the north, not Mackenzie Hughes, who I, for some odd reason, got to play a lot for the end of last year, but 
Adams Venson at 6K. Here's a guy who was 35th in the Farmers, so that's not a bad cor correlation. Tough course. 18th in the Desert Classic. 43, 43rd, sorry, just missed out at Pebble. Um, has been gaining strokes at approach. Uh, doesn't really do a ton great, but in this field, he's 10th tee to green. He's 13th in approach. He has some horrific numbers when it comes to putting and scrambling and even bogey avoidance, but if you absolutely must punt at 6K, I think I would rather go with Adam Svensson over Johnny Ha. Fair enough, fair enough. Of course, I would go with Freddie Jacobson, but I'd not be throwing my money away because I just like I just like that name. I like the guy. It isn't Jim. You gotta remind me. Is Jim Herman a Cincinnati guy for you? Yeah, he's he's the guy from UC as well. Yeah. He's six K. He is. He's. There his, you go. All his, right. All right. His form is what it is. <laughs> All right. Play John Ha, Freddie Jacobson, and Jim Herman. You can play. You can play whatever you want from there. I bet. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. Because if you pop those three in your lineup, I get. 10,666 per month. Oh, there you go. Play, play JT, Sergio. Can you do JT, Sergio, and uh, Scott? No, you probably can't. I could do JT, Sergio. I have 10-1 left. I would need 10-3 to get Scotty in there. Uh, we can't We can't go anything below. There's no $5,800 golfer this week. Well, let me let me rest assured that those three are not going to be in a lineup I hit submit on. <laughs> Oh, come on. It'll be contrarian. Nobody's going to own it. It will. You're right about that. And the reality is, I mean, if you had three of the top <laughs> five guys, you still might get get a <laughs> A-line there. So uh, um, I don't know. It depends how savage this tournament becomes. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, right? This will be interesting. Makes me wonder, is this a tournament where it, you can't make too much out of where they finish because that doesn't after about the top 10, that doesn't really give you a ton of DraftKings points. But is there anything to be said you worry a little bit more about finish than birdies in this in this tournament? Uh, I think finish will be more important because there just isn't going to be the birdies that we've seen, you know, last week in Mexico or, you know, like we typically see at Phoenix or the Sony or, like, um, the Desert Classic. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think there will be more of um, – more positional points just because we're not going to see somebody go make 20 birdies this week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm if, you know, I think come Wednesday night, when once we get a better idea of the forecast, if there's wind, then, I mean, bogey avoidance is something I think you want to look at. I think even double bogey avoidance could be something at that point. I mean, because there will be players who make, who, who make a lot of bogeys there. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's all going to depend on the weather. I mean, if the winds are up, this is a U.S. Open course. If the winds are down, then it's, 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 it's doable. And it looks like early, early uh, forecast for the National Weather Service has nothing more than six, uh, six or seven mile per hour winds on Friday. Everything else is down. So if that's the case, expect to cut around even plus one, maybe minus one. But we shouldn't see the disasters like we've seen in the past if, if, if that forecast holds true. So... Again, you know, look back on, you know, read, read the Wednesday update for winds. Um, look, actually, as I'm looking at the weekend, it looks like maybe 10-mile-per-hour winds Saturday and Sunday. So it doesn't look like there's anything too horrific in the forecast yet. Let's hope it stays that way. No, I totally agree with you there. Although I'm, I'm okay with watching some guys, some guys struggle a little bit because I like seeing the creativity out of the, some of those bad lies that people end up with, well, I, which – uh, I don't mind it, but I don't want to see. I don't want to see weather cause guys that all of a sudden 
all of a sudden start getting doubles and triples because it's so, I mean, it's so obnoxious. I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not worth watching. I, I mean, I would agree. there's nothing that anybody can do about it. It's just it's something that I don't like. Um, before we end, um, one and done, you and I, yep. despite the fact that we didn't talk to each other, again, somehow still managed to have at least one similar pick in Gary Woodward. And, and, like I said, if I hadn't read your Wednesday update, I probably would have went with Rory. So we might have ended up having the same two again. I, I wish you would have, because he ended up a lot better than Justin Thomas, even though Thomas' 62 on Sunday bailed you out a little bit. Big time. Big time. Yeah, no, I uh, I looked at uh, I looked at your update, and I was thinking about leaning towards Rory, because the form had been great. And, you know, of course, what was that? His fourth top five in a row. So you can't turn to him this week. You could turn to Thomas if you want. I'm really, right. he's the highest-ranked uh, player in the field. And uh, I don't think he's a bad guy to use. I obviously wish I could use him and had gotten somebody else last week. Although, again, the 62 bailed me out. But when I look at the, uh, when I, you know, not thinking about saving guys or anything like that, I, I feel like if I'm looking at guys to use, Thomas, Fowler, Simpson, um, maybe even Norin, Scott, and Garcia, I'm kind of looking right there as, as the, the guys. You know, I may dig a little deeper because we're in one league where we have to use two. But I don't know if I want to dig a whole lot deeper than that. C certainly not if I'm only using one. Well, we can't use Sergio since you and I already burned him at the at Riviera, which I kind of now it's like, oh, why don't I have him? Um, yeah, I think Adam Scott's in play for me. Ricky is. Um, Webb potentially. I mean, Lucas Glover is. He could potentially be my second pick. I don't know if I. I don't know. It depends how contrarian I want to get as far as the where in the leagues where I have to make one one and done pick. I don't know if I can truly go with Lucas Glover there. I can see a lot of people use Michael Thompson just because for a well as well as he's playing. When are you ever going to use him again? I could see that narrative. Um, Graham McDowell's a potential real sneaky one, the one that you and I are in where you have to pick two. Um, like my my approach to that one is I want to pick one guy who I'm very confident in, and I want to take a flyer on somebody else. That's kind of the way I'm looking at that, at the, at our one and done league where you got to pick two. Yeah, that's about how I've been doing it as well. So uh, I, I can tell you I'll be using Adam Scott more than likely. Oh, crap. Well, then you and I better talk about the second one because I bet I, I'm already thinking he's my pick. So. Well, I've, I, I've burned out a few guys already. I've already used Thomas and Simpson and Garcia. So See, I, that, use, and, I, I, I use Thomas at the Sony – and the, and the one where you and I have to pick two, we didn't we didn't start till Phoenix, so I still have Thomas available in that one. Um, I might save him for later. I you know, he's fine here, but I I don't know. I can see my I can really see myself going Adam Scott Lucas Glover. Okay. Don't I hold think, me uh, don't hold me to that by the way, but that's kind <laughs> of what I'm going to uh, lean towards. If I change, I will text you Wednesday night to make sure that you and I are aren't picking the same ones. I, or actually, no, no, I should. I should I should I shouldn't text you if we end up with the same ones. That's fine. I'm beating you, yeah, so you know what? So be it, yeah. You can't beat me if you're if you keep matching me. So I might use this to my advantage. Yeah, and for people playing in those leagues, I mean, there's still so much time left that it's definitely not panic time. I mean, oh, no. in the one we're in, where you pick two, uh, the guy that won this week or that moved up the first, he got 2.2 million this week. So certain, mean, he doubled. He more than doubled his total. Right. There's still four majors. There's still the players. There's still two World Golf Championships. I believe Arnold Palmer pays a decent amount, and I believe the Memorial still might pay a decent amount too. And then if, if you're in a league where they go through the FedEx Cup playoffs, there's going to be some big bucks there. So it's not time to panic yet, 
but you better start picking some winners. Um, you know, I, I still think it's, you know, I'm not sure you want to get super cute this week and pick uh, Matt Wallace because nobody will be on him, which might be my ultimate debate on Lucas Glover if I think that's way too cute or or like a Joaquin Neiman. Like, like, you don't need to take a flyer on Russell Henley. I mean, you still, you need to get the, you know, we're seeing a lot of the elite players win outside of Adam Long at uh, the Desert Classic. So find find the guy you like that maybe might go a little under-owned. Pick him and see where that takes you from there. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. And I'm not trying to dig too far into the rank, world golf rankings because you only have to pick so many in the, in the given year. So, uh, Skeeter, that's about all I've got. Of course, we want to. You know, remind everybody that if they're getting into baseball too, check out that uh, that the Fantastics draft software. As uh, I've been digging into my leagues, I've had one league I've set keepers and one league I'm getting ready to, and it certainly is beneficial. So, you know, if uh, if you do baseball and you haven't checked it out, uh, Fantastics Insider Baseball definitely worth checking out. Yeah, especially right now too, that spring training has started. I believe the if you go to the blog, there's some. Uh free free analysis each day so if you're if you can't really follow all the spring training results those are there and there's that in-season package and sometime in the next few weeks i believe my fantasy fix will be offering the baseball package for df you're playing dfs baseball so um i think they're putting the final touches on that with the uh developer of the date of the, the uh database trying to figure out the details for that so keep an eye out for that one and we will announce the specials for that and Hey, maybe I'll, I'll I'll work on Wallows if we can get a discount for those listening to the golf podcast. There you go. Well, right on. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how good Wood Waldo was in if he's not in feisty a Michael mode at that point. Yeah, he he definitely has a uh, side to him that I wasn't aware of at first. You know what it is? I think Lou Blossie's finally rubbing off on him a little bit. Get that northeastern in him. Yeah, they finally got Michael fired up now, and that that uh, Boston uh, that well. It, it runs. It, it, yes, you know what they call him. Yes, and for some odd reason, I'm the one who gets the abuse from uh, Waldo as he's getting more aggressive because we host a football show on <laughs> Sundays here in Peoria, Illinois. And man, he, he he went he was he he attacked me a couple of times. Like, wait a minute, why are you doing this? And so you know, he, he you know, I just seem to be the one who takes the uh, takes the brunt of some of this from Michael Waldo. So you know what, bro. I know how it is working with Dan doing the football show. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> well, that's all I got for this week, Skeeter. You got anything else? I don't. Um, you know, just good luck this week. Um, read the Wednesday updates. So there'll be a better idea of weather now that we've actually, you know, at that point we'll actually have more than, you know, 10 minutes to look at prices to kind of have a sort of idea what you know what gems are uncovered because i'm sure we missed something it's just it's the way i'm our, certain yeah it's the way our schedules are that we have to record this right as prices were coming out but you know what hey maybe this will be our best week ever we got to try this more often i don't know but um actually we can't do this next week because i believe you are going somewhere quite warm yes i will be in jamaica next week so uh there is only one golf course close to where i'm staying and it's $100 with no ocean views, oh. so I, I am not playing. <laughs> I don't blame you for that one. <laughs> we thought about it. We actually looked into it, but the course doesn't look that great. Uh, I'm staying in the grill, uh, Jamaica, so the southwestern part of the island. Okay. And the uh, course didn't look that great, 100 bucks for a green fee and uh, no no ocean views. Now, look, I mean, if it had ocean views, I'd have expected it to probably be 200 bucks, right? But uh, for 
for a course that looks like I could play it in the woods of Kentucky that I play all the time, I'm, I'm going to pass. So hey, I, would, I would gladly pay a couple hundred to go play Kapalua out in uh, Hawaii where they play the Tournament of Champions. That course just looks beautiful with those views. So as far as next week's podcast, it'll just be me. You get to hear me for the whole thing. I apologize in advance to everybody for that one. Um, it'll probably be a little bit shorter because I really don't know if you really want me breaking down all 120 golfers or why Sam Saunders will be heavily owned because it's the Arnold Palmer Invitational and he's Arnie's grandson. So I will try to keep uh, some things a little bit more limited. But if you have a player that you want me to talk about, tweet at me at Skeeter Robinson. I will talk about a player. I'll talk anything golf-related for DFS purposes because, you know, it's just me. So I'll give you my if – you, if you value my opinion that much, I'll give you some, some random thoughts. I don't care. We know it'll be just as good, Skeeter. It'll just be. Uh, yeah, I don't you know, know about that. I mean, you, you won't you won't be able to tell me why I shouldn't play uh, the guys that those names I love, but so aren't necessarily great plays. So I can't bash you for playing Emiliano Grillo, or you know, actually, don't, here's what it is: you won't get to brag when he finishes third this week because you'll be in Jamaica. And I'll completely avoid <laughs> that. So I'm trust me, that. I will have lineups in, and I will be uh, I will be buying some cocktails if that is the case. <laughs> nice. So, well, everybody, appreciate you listening. Uh, good luck this week. Enjoy the Honda Classic, and uh, we will be back again in two weeks as a team, and Skeeter will have you good to go next week. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been James Adams, Skeeter Robinson on the DFS PGA podcast here on MyFantasyFix.com. <laughs>